Welcome to Australian Hunger. I am your host, Ben. On today's show, I've got an interview with Lege. Sort of about their EP that they released earlier this year, during the middle of the year. But not really, because the band has kind of moved on since then. And I'll, I'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. Um, but yeah, so the interview is kind of interesting in that way. So I watched a documentary series called Fighting in the Age of Loneliness by one of the hosts of a podcast I enjoy, Felix Biederman, and uh, a guy, I'm not sure exactly what he does, but John Boys. Um, it's about MMA, which is interesting because I'm not a fan of MMA. I've never watched it. I don't have any interest in sport generally, and certainly not one in pugilism specifically. But I thought it was really well done, really enjoyed it, gave me a good insight into the sport. But why I'm bringing it up, because it's not at all related to this show, why I'm bringing it up is the final episode finished on a couple of sort of contemplatory notes. One of them was about the influence, you you could say, of capitalism, the incorporation into a broader culture, serialization of the rough edges of a particular cultural form in order to give it more broad appeal, all those sorts of things, and it kind of made me reflect a little bit on what heavy metal is, or maybe heavy alternative music more generally. There's two aspects to it. One, heavy metal has had periods where it's attempted to be incorporated into the mainstream culture, and I think a lot of heavy metal fans would say those have been failures and produced subpar material. You could cite thrash metal, new metal, all those sorts of things. And I think a broader point sort of taking off from that is that these kind of issues where you're trying to figure out what place a subculture has within mainstream culture, my kind of thought is that it's it's a very true point. And basically the only way that we continue producing material, we as sort of a community of people producing, enjoying this kind of music is that it cannot be incorporated into mainstream culture. Because that if it does, it loses all its all the aspects, or a lot of the aspects, that we enjoy. And it becomes sanitized, and it loses its edge. It gains aspects which we don't enjoy. Generally, obviously, there's a lot of diverse opinions. But, you know, I'm, I'm speaking generally, and possibly, maybe I'm only speaking for myself. What's the consequence of that? that it has to remain a subculture. Uh, it has to remain underground in some respects. It has to remain separated from mainstream culture because its in, its incorporation means that it doesn't represent something that we want it to be. It basically means that we have to suffer for this. And I don't mean that in some sort of theatrical sense. I mean that in the kind of more subtle day-to-day sense. The interview earlier this week was with Adam from Project Heaven Sent, and we talked a little bit about the fact that it's very difficult to get a foothold in the market and get noticed. And that that's obviously sort of specific in a certain way to him, because it's a new project, you know, it doesn't have, you know, it hasn't had as much time to gain a fan base, it's a solo project which means it doesn't have the ability to market itself through events and gigs. But I think this is this is applicable to a lot of people just because of the fact that very few musicians within the industry have an ability to make a livelihood from this, except for some of the big ones. Obviously, this is applicable more generally to musicians in general, because there's just a very it's very difficult at this particular time, and to a certain extent, it always has been to gain a foothold 
to break through, but but being being not able to gain a foothold in that same kind of way, being not able to include those elements without have broad appeal and increase the spread of the people you can target, but increase the number of people you can appeal to. I think that there's like something we kind of have to admit that like. In order for this art form to remain the way we want it to remain, we we have to suffer for it. I, I don't know if that's a controversial point or just banal, but like there is a certain extent to which we have to endure the problems which will pursue us because of the fact that the art form is not broadly marketable. And if we want to keep it that way, we have to like consciously want to suffer in some sort of way. I don't know, that was my kind of thought that like, I don't know, this may just be me, but I, I'm always thinking about the fact that it's a good thing that our art form isn't broadly marketable because of the fact that it, it's good that way because <laughs> all the things I've discussed and maybe we need to more consciously approach the fact that it is difficult because it should be difficult because if it wasn't difficult, we'd be doing the wrong thing maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm, these are the things I've sort of thought about for a while, and I'm kind of still thinking through them. Because in an ideal world, people even making music which is not is not able to be kind of incorporated into broader culture and can kind of remain itself should still be able to make a living. That'd be the ideal world. But we don't live in that ideal world. We live in the capitalist system. And essentially, if it's not broadly marketable, it's sort of no use in that system. I don't know, these these kind of issues I'll probably talk about over the run of the show, and I'm I'm still sort of thinking about that. Because I, I would love it if Adam could just go on and make a living from his music. Because, as I, as I mentioned, Project Heaven Sent, possibly one of my favourite albums of the year, and if he could make even more music, I think it'd be better for everyone. But, I don't know. Maybe, maybe the word suffering's a bit too much, but like that is essentially the consequence of this. And maybe we need to be a bit more explicit about the choice we have. And the choice I feel, and I'm definitely not making it, because I'm not a musician. But I, the choice I feel every musician in this category should probably make. Anyway, Lege. So I saw them at a show, uh, the, the Bear the Mammoth show that I went to um, a few weeks ago. And I thought they were really cool. I'll interview them. Um, and I see that they have an EP released earlier in the year, a little bit further back than usually I do, but yeah, um, it's, it's no issue to be able to talk about that. And what was kind of interesting to me was like, it didn't seem that the songs bore any specific relation to the songs that they played at the gig. And, um, well, that'd be something we talk about. And, you know, we, talk, we talked about it, and you'll hear in the interview, and I was thinking like... <laughs> The songs don't actually have kind of a, 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 a tangible connection to the band they are at the moment. Now, I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Obviously, I can just play them, but that's not really the ideal situation. Um, and what happened is they said, "Hey, we actually recorded the, the we actually recorded the show that we did with Bear the Mammoth. Here's a couple of tracks you want to play." I'm like, "Yes, that'd be fucking amazing to play those live tracks, which are representative of the band you are now." during the interview it's perfect and i really appreciate them sending them through and i hope you really enjoy it the first one is called monda the second one the one at the end is a live version of an e-bug in the mainframe but obviously 
you'll hear in the interview that they, they sort of go about changing the songs in certain ways, so intentionally and unintentionally. But yeah, those, those are songs. The interview with Lege, the EP is out, but um, I'm really looking forward to them producing the, some new music, which is more representative of the band they are now. So this is Nathan and Matthias from Lege. Normally I don't have to kind of like ask this question because like, you know, a band is a band is a band to a certain extent. Mm. But you guys sort of seem a little bit more interesting than that. Can you tell us a bit about like how the band actually functions? Well, I, so it's, it's changed a lot in, I guess it's only maybe almost three years of being a band. Mm. And it sort of started as a solo recording project of mine. And then it, transformed into a band where we kind of worked on songs and now it's got to a point where we try just to improv kind of where we'll like jam have an improv jam and then when we play live we're just trying to recreate a vibe that we vibed on at a rehearsal and then I guess I don't know kind of the the scary uh, like it's fun to put yourself in an uncomfortable situation of being like, we don't know what's going to happen, but it'll be fun anyway. So I think that's kind of the idea of it now is to just do something different and think on the spot. Mm, that's really interesting. Like, how, so how did the band start with you? Um, so I've always played in bands, uh, pretty, mostly as a drummer, actually. Uh, which was my first instrument. And then I got into guitar and keyboards a bit later on. And then it just always played in sort of other people's bands as like a, I guess like a, you know, occasionally I'd bring something to the table, but then I just started recording some songs uh, for the first time and had no intention of really ever kind of or like, I guess, fronting a band um and then it just kind of happened because kept on playing in bands where people wouldn't show up to band practices or stuff and then so nathan and nick uh another original member we we were playing in another band and no one else turned up to band practice so we just started playing my songs and then just thought we'd keep doing that i guess (laughs) Oh, that's really interesting. Um, the name, Lege, where does that come from? Uh, that That is probably the most significant but also insignificant part of the whole journey in the sense that Lege doesn't mean anything. It never has. It originally started out as looking nice in a text format where we had an L and a J and uh, in a nice font where the L and the J would line up together. And then we decided, oh, look, call it something, and it was going to be Ledge. I think yeah. for a while there, and then we realised that sounded terrible. And we were, how about we throw an, an E in there as well? And we ended up with a Lage, which has had many reiterations on radio shows called what well, we called the LADJs or Ladge or I don't know whatever however yeah. you want to say it. But it's it's an, always an interest a point of interest with people in terms of uh yeah it's more just the visual aspect I think yeah, yeah. but <laughs> as soon as soon as it's put into like capital letters, it, it doesn't look the same anyway. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so it's a stupid name, but yeah. it's too late. It yeah. has no meaning, and we made it, and now we're stuck with it. So that's the, that's the long and short of that. 
Um, so the the band sort of broadening out to kind of what it is. What's the process that that's sort of taken? Uh, well, I think uh, now it, what what everyone listens to now and what you can hear from Lays that is available is sort of one of the early iterations of the band. Um, the EP itself that we have now is is for us about two or three years old. Yeah, uh, in terms of the songs and the structure. <clears throat> Um, but it was a labor of love and we sort of built this, uh, EP slash album around the idea of it being a cinematic experience, um, where it, if you listen to it from stop to start, it doesn't, it never ends. There's no silence in our, in our EP and then matching it with the visuals that we have in the, in the video that we created, it kind of became a soundtrack for a, a, a visual repertoire of songs, um, and uh but now that's morphed into more of going down the instrumental route because we kind of realized we're not the greatest singers in the world (laughs) and um so for us now it's more about creating yeah uh a a space that people can get into a headspace people can get into where they bop along tap their feet and uh sort of get transported into that kind of ethereal place where you are just find yourself bobbing along um and that's what it's turned into now from being a, a band that writes songs into a band that doesn't write anything which is um which is kind of fun in its own way there are a couple of individual songs released in 2017 how did they fit sort of into like what the band was doing were they sort of intended to be part of a wider release or were you just kind of putting stuff out there it well so I think the the first song we put out was uh, um, Pacific. Pacific, and that was the first song we'd sort of written as a band. And in the after it had been my solo thing, and then we sort of found members and kind of were like, "Let's be a band." That was the first song we put out that we'd written together. Um, and then we put out um, a song called Carpal Tunnel, which was actually the very first song that I ever recorded on my own and wrote and sang on. And that so that was recorded in about 2014 or 2015. So it sat around for a long time. And then I think we tried to re-record it and it just sounded, the original sounded better. So we just sort of spruced it up a bit, I guess, and then put that out. Um, but yeah, they, I think they were initially put out as sort of to be a lead up for an EP or an album. But then when we got around to putting, piecing the album together, they, those songs didn't really fit. So that's kind of how the album became an EP because we just dropped off the songs that had already been released yeah we've always been a band that and still now we have no rhyme or reason or methodology to to what we do or what we release it's just kind of we'll create something we happen to record it we get it fixed up and then we go you know what let's let's drop this now and um that's the same thing that happened with um the the singles and and even the ep it just uh, took a fair bit longer Mm. now one thing that was kind of noticeable and maybe it's not Maybe it doesn't really apply anymore because there's not necessarily a, a chronology um, to the releases. But like the first two, uh, the first two songs gave off very like shoegaze, um, 
uh, alternative, yeah. uh, your post-punk <clears throat> vibe. The third one was a little bit yeah. more experimental, and then the album was mu- uh, the, the EP was much more experimental. Yeah, I, it definitely. So when we first, so yeah, basically, I think of Lasers kind of having three different eras, I guess, so far, and that the first era was definitely like I was kind of going to the shoegaze thing, but my originally I was like, I wanted to be a shoegaze band with Beach Boys vocals or something. Um, and then very quickly we realized we weren't the Beach Boys and we'll never be the Beach Boys. Um, so then that sort of like, I guess we ended up, yeah, a bit more post-punky kind of, um, a little bit more aggressive and punky, but trying to be dancey and still. Yeah, it kind of it kind of morphed from this idea to write shoegazy songs with a bit of a dreamy vocal, washed out, you know, kind of vocal vibe. And then we found ourselves, I don't know, getting lost in jams that um, we would just repeat and find really good pieces of. And then those jams made their way into the sets and progressively our live set would turn from a set of songs into three or four songs with a jam. And then over time now, uh, including the EP uh, and not including, we, we have ended up in this space where we don't really do songs anymore. So it's kind of morphed from the idea of creating songs to a structure with a with an idea behind them more into just this, yeah, ethereal kind of find a vibe and stick with it. Um, but yeah, it's kind of, that's our chronology, I guess, is you can hear that evolution and the live version of us now is kind of the final evolution. I, I think it's that. just sort of the natural evolution of us trying to find our sound or, yeah. Um, Cause I even in the like earlier days, we jam, and I feel like the best ideas were when we would jam them. But then if we spent too long trying to really, I don't know, like Creating perfect them, them yeah. they'd lose their, yes. kind of, yeah, they're, yeah, they're like this, yeah, the special, I guess, spark behind it would disappear mm. whilst we're trying to focus too heavily on songwriting. Yeah. Mm. yeah. So with the EP, when do you start working on that? Um, well, there's, I think, one song on it, which was still a song just recorded, just me on my own, and that would have been about 2015. Um, so I'd say it was about 2015 to, I get, yeah, it took about three years. (laughs) (laughs) Um, yeah, I guess it's been a, a, a culmination of finding the the songs that we wrote um, when there were songs, then melding it with the new iteration of what the band had become um, with instrumentalized versions, which you can sort of hear the, so- the, the EP skips from, um, you know, the, the, it, there's no vocals for the first I think, 12 and a half minutes. Um, if that's a way to exemplify how we do things. Uh, not an afterthought, but they're not the focus for us. So um, it's always been uh, a creation of uh, the sound and then layering things on top of that. But in terms of this EP, yeah, it'd be it'd be three years solid of 
you know, the first songs we've had them for three years and then the last songs we might have only had for 12 months. Um, but yeah, it's been just sort of a, a uh, piecing together of that. Mm, that's really interesting. Um, so it's sort of a, it's really a representative of a lot of periods of the band. <sighs> So, all right. So let, let, let's sort of transition from away from that EP. So yeah. you sort of finished that in 2017. Um, so, hmm. all right. So the, the EP's finished. What, what happens yeah. after that? Were you already sort of considering, hey, this kind of songwriting, this kind of very sh- samey kind of way we're doing stuff in terms of writing a song and then recording it isn't working for us or is it after the EP that 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 kind of transition occurred? So what I think happened, so I, I played in another band uh, called Breathe and we played a bunch of shows in Europe in 2016. Um, And I think I'd seen a bunch of bands and played with a bunch of bands on that tour that sort of inspired me to think a little bit different as well. And then I came back and we sort of finished the EP. um, And then before we released the EP, uh, our guitarist went overseas for six months and it sort of halted everything. And we'd sort of, thought the the band was done kind of thing and me and Nathan started another band um and then when Liam got back we just I think we just had some jams just for fun um and then kind of realized that if we didn't take it so seriously and spend so long and I guess like try perfect everything if we just kept it fresh for us um it would be sort of more enjoyable and we'd get more from it. Um, so I kind of think that was how we ended up to this new way of doing things. Um, but we still hadn't put the EP out at that point. So putting the EP out was sort of, we wanted to get it out cause we spent so long on it. Um, but it was, uh, it was definitely a selfish, like, personal sort of thing for us to, to, to sort of, I guess, as you said earlier, to, to tell our chronology of um, how we've, we've progressed as a band. And, uh, yeah, we, we, we never really had an intent of releasing it as it is, but it just sort of came together in the months after uh, we got back together as a band. And, um, yeah, it went from zero to 100 real quick. And uh, and we it just happened to, to fall together into place as neatly as it did. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's, it's a it's a very weird story for us to tell because there's no like I said before, there's no rhyme or reason to it. It just sort of happened. I wish there was a better a better story to tell. Mine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but um, <clears throat> yeah. So I don't know. But but basically, what we've released now, as as for most people and anyone who listens to it, it's it sort of. Um, would definitely clash with whatever they saw or heard now uh, if they were to come to a show. Um, uh, but yeah, it's it's still in the same in the same same theme and same vibe of what we've always done. Uh, but yeah, the, I, don't know. I think the the biggest change was um, 
both Liam and I would both play guitar and both play keyboards and we'd sort of switch out. And then when Liam came back, um, we just decided that I would just play keyboards and he would just play guitar um, as just a sort of way to simplify a live show. And then out of that simplification was kind of, I guess, like limiting ourselves to just playing one instrument each. Um, it, I guess, opened up something else and, you know, like it opened up another a new way of writing music or jamming music because um, I'm not trained on keyboards at all, um, which is why I really enjoy playing them in a band because it's not an instrument I'm comfortable on. Um, and but I think that's it. That's that's a, probably a good way to define is that now we've progressed to a space where we enjoy being uncomfortable. Yes. Um, yeah, yeah. So it, it went from a, a headspace where we wanted to construct something that we thought would be palatable um, versus now just trying to find that space where we're uncomfortable and nervous and scared. And that's where we are now. It's, it's, it's a great space to be in whenever you jump up on stage and you're not sure what's going to happen. Um, yeah, so it went from a, a, yeah, a place of trying to find something that we could essentially sell to, to people's ears and now it's more of a, you know, let's see what happens.
So the reason I'm interviewing you guys is because I went to see Bear the Mammoth, who I also interviewed a few weeks ago, and you're one of the support acts. And I'm like, all right, cool, four guys up there, they're doing their thing. You know, I look at your Facebook page, the band has seven members or something. What's, what's, going, on? what's going on there? So uh, that's pretty much everyone that's ever been involved in the band. So originally it was a five-piece band with three guitars. We lost two members and we and then that's when Liam joined on. So... Um, yeah, became a four piece with me and Liam both playing two instruments. And then um we've also got Ryan who he is an unofficial member. He yeah, he doesn't play live with us, but we do all our recordings with him. Um and he I guess he co-produces it with me um in the way that uh I pretty much if I'm ever doing anything musical, I always work with Ryan. Um because I trust his ears 100%. Um, That's Ryan Fallis at Invention Studios. Yeah. Check it out. So Shout he, out. He also worked on the new Alifia album um, as well. Whom you interviewed recently as well, which is um, – but I think, I think I there's a, the element of that, the naming of, this, of the, all the different people uh, on the Facebook page is kind of um, – it's on the EP as well. We name everyone involved, and I think that's sort of a throwback to – everything that we've released and everything that we play still has attached to it the tethers of the members who may not be there anymore. Um, so for us, it's sort of, you know, it may only be the four of us now, um, but the songs that we're playing have got the flavours of all the different past and present members attached to it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Let's sort of run through, like, what what the band is at the moment. So... What, what what does in like a very general sense? What does the band do? <sighs> yeah, that's hard, isn't it? Um, the band now subsists basically on a basis of going into a room together. Uh, we find a pattern that we all vibe with. Yeah, you usually it, it. it usually it might start with oh at home just on my own i might just play around with drone sounds or samples of uh just field recordings and that sort of thing um which so now we'll sort of i guess i'll bring a sample of a whatever to the band and then and it'll sort of set a vibe and then from that we sort of just try feel yeah feel something out so Pretty much every song will just start with sort of like a, a droning sound mm. and everyone gets into key and then... A, a good way to exemplify it is now that when we... So, for example, at the moment, just today even, we've got sort of, what, 20 minutes worth of jams that we've recorded just at rehearsals where we have no structure, no idea what they're doing, but we've just spent... You know, we're one of those bands that will spend... 20, 30 minutes playing one groove and trying to find out where it leads. So that's what that's what Lage is now. Essentially, we we try and we're looking for a space where everybody links together and then fleshes it out and opens it up um, to be something more exciting than what we started with. But um, yeah, there's no structure, there's no process, there's no 
you know, I guess song, not anymore there used to be, but less, less now is a songwriter bringing in a, a song and then we, we, we try and um, build it from that. Now it's just, uh, it can be something as simple as, you know, a single note on a synthesizer that turns into a fully fleshed song um, as opposed to being, you know, someone coming in with a riff. So that that's kind of what it is now. Mm. Yeah, that's what Lage does. <laughs> mm. now, now, to what ends though? So, it, it, obviously, you play live. You you obviously uh, trying to generate material which, which you can play live. But like, is there any intention to continue making actual music that's recorded, or or, or is that sort of besides the point? No, de- definitely. So, I think. Um, the plan is that now when we go record, we're we're gonna go find like an interesting place to record, um, and we're we're gonna jam. We're we're just gonna jam, and we might jam the same song five or six times um, until we really lock into something. And then I guess piecing it together into an album will be something we do after after it's recorded. Um, and yeah, I think that's that's the plan. Is we're just gonna record our jams and then just hope it's uh, good. But I kind of like it being warts and all. If there's a few bung notes or whatever, um, I'm okay with that. I don't want to be too precious about it because I think it's yeah, it's just about finding. A vibe? Yeah, and it and sounds cliche, but it's it's kind of like trying to take the elements of the space that you're in at the time, which is why um, whenever we do anything now, we really try to look for avenues or venues that put us outside of our comfort zone because we definitely have one, and, and we like to take those influences from those spaces and places that uh, weird us out a little bit and, and turn that into something. So just for an example, our, our most – uh, upcoming attempt at recording something will probably be in, I don't know, a cathedral where uh, we just start with a singular note and jam on that for as long as we possibly can and see what comes out of it. So um, there's definitely a plan to make more music and, and release more music, but for us it's never been about a, a, a time a time span or how quickly we can do something. It's been more about just finding what feels right, what sounds good, um, and what we really enjoy doing as opposed to trying to structure something for people to listen to. And that sounds bad, but that's not what it's about. <laughs> it's, it's more about it is a selfish endeavour. Um, but, yeah, we're looking to just, I don't know, create a space that we enjoy it and we can all express ourselves with our instruments in that setting. And so you're jamming, you found a good vibe. What relation does that have to for example the show you put on with bear the mammoth so i think the basically again is we'd just try recreate that vibe that we found when we were initially jamming that piece of music um uh so i mean we might just start it'll be the same bass line and the same drum beat to get to get going and then once once we're sort of you know a bit like pumped up and starting to enjoy it it'll start taking its own shape live 
Um, and and I think that's the exciting thing is that even if we play a song that's recorded, is the live version of it will be a new experience again because it's always going to be fresh and it's always going to evolve. Um, and I think that's the exciting thing about playing live is to just let something, you know. Yeah, you kind of let things go. You let the song write itself rather than, like, trying to learn it exactly as it was recorded. And I think that goes the same as how we've always worked as a band is even songs on the EP will be slightly different when we've played them live. Um, but I think it's just sort of letting, letting go of, of a structure of a song and just, you know, doing what feels good at the time or, um, when we, when we, I guess when we play live now, like we said, we're trying to find a vibe, and that's a, that's a, that's a very vague way to describe what we're doing. And what we, what we're trying to do is translate the feeling we get when we're locked into something that we find exciting, and hopefully get the audience and the people listening involved in that. Yeah, yeah, and, and yeah, and to, and to and to go along with us on this weird journey, and hopefully it doesn't turn out terrible. I, I think that's part of the attraction of it as well, is that you know, we might be trying to like vibe on this idea and the crowd might just be standing there looking at us like we're aliens or something. But I think that will go and translate across in the music as well. And so, or if people are really, really enjoying it, I think that it's also going to start translating across in that particular version of that song um, on that one occasion. So I think, I guess it's like trying to, share an experience with people there in the room who you've never met who you've never met and take away from them just as much as you're giving back to them um yeah yeah i think that's a good way to one one thing that kind of interests me about that kind of approach where every live show is in a sense a unique experience is and perhaps this speaks to my kind of nature as a person who likes to catalogue and collect things and have them remain in their places is that yep. like it's sort of experience which is there and it dissipates and it's lost. How, how do you feel about that kind of aspect of it? Well, if, uh, if it was in an ideal world, we'd record every live show that we had so that we could, you know, then look back and find those elements of that show that turned into something enjoyable for not just us, but for everyone there as well. And we did do that um, with the Bear the Mammoth show that that you were at. We recorded that live and it's always interesting because I guess it's strange when we play these songs songs being a loose word when we when we play the structures that we have a rough idea of we never know how it's going to turn out and most of the time after we finish we don't remember um what happened how it went or how it necessarily sounded and for us recording that particular you sort of it was it was it was an affirmation um Mm. of of that idea that we thought you know yes it's, it's interesting and it's different but it worked and um it's been a fuel for us now to listen back to what we do in these random iterations of the band and, uh, and try and push forward with it because uh, it, it seems to be something that we all enjoy and uh, other people get into as well. And um, it's definitely a very niche uh, idea, um, but at the same time, it's something that uh, I think we're all very passionate about is to, yeah, to, to, to drift into the unknown with every show and then hope that when we get off stage, people sort of 
give you the handshake and say that was great, that was good. <laughs> it's, it's always a, it's always on a hope and a prayer. With you guys kind of ex- experimenting, jamming, like. How do you go about finding something that has a good vibe? Like, how do you know what that is? How do you go about finding it? Um, I think because so I'll get inspiration from even watching a movie or something like that. Like, it might even just be like a, a monologue of in a movie, someone talking, and I think, oh, well, that was. Like, I really enjoyed just that. Uh, I guess, that I yeah, that context or something, and so things from movies or TV or anything like that, which just, I guess it's just bits of things that sort of, I, I guess, I don't know, trigger something in me or just a little bit of uh, inspiration from something. Um, it might be from uh, pictures as well, which I think... Um, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think there's even an idea of me is in the future that we try um, do live improvised jams to a silent movie and just try actually vibe off the movie that's in front of us um, and use that as inspiration. Um, so I, I think it could just be from anything. It can be from coming home from a bad day at work and then, I don't know, making a guitar feedback and then being like, oh, yeah, I like the sound of that, and I'll record it, and then... Um, There's still a, 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 not a structure, but a, a sort of a, a process that involves um, creating something from those from those experiences, and it will usually entail, uh, to, to be a bit more cliche, you know, Matthias might come in and, and, and be can create a synth loop that is based off what, what he's felt and created, and then I'll start playing a drum beat to it, and then our bassist will start playing bass to it and then we color it with guitars and samples and stuff like that. So there's still a fundamental songwriting process there, but it's not in any way uh, structured or I guess critiqued. It's kind of just people, everyone, it, it builds itself and then we find the best version of that. And it takes a long time, a lot of the time. Um, but that's that's what's enjoyable about it is sitting in a space and getting sweaty for three hours when you've only played essentially three notes. And, and we, 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 we enjoy that, as weird as it sounds. Mm, you mentioned uh, the possibility of playing to a silent video. Uh, one question sort of going back a little bit is the video that accompanies the uh, the audio of the EP. Talk a little bit about that. Um, it's kind of the well, opposite, wasn't it? Yeah. It, the the yeah, it, it was the, the opposite. So basically we'd had the EP finished and um, this was when Liam came back from Japan and we hadn't listened to anything for six months and we sort of just put the EP on and then we kind of had the realisation that it was finished. We're like, oh, we've been waiting for so long and now it's finished. Let's, we might as well put it out. Um, so we had, because me and Liam have done a bunch of video work together as well in the past Um doing like yeah multiple different projects and we kind of were trying to think of the best way that we present the ep 
on, I guess, to the world. And I th we quite quickly just thought we wanted to do like a visual aspect to it. Um, and then um, I guess it kind of comes down to ripping off other artists as well. But um, a, a band that influenced me heavily, I guess, with this new era of the band, uh, the Cosmic Dead, and they had uh, used an old silent film from, I think, 1902, which was the Alice in Wonderland film, and they just put that to their music as just the, their video clip to the song. And I think I just thought, I was like, oh, that, that's a really easy way of doing it. And we, so I just found a bunch of old films. And then when we, we were just playing the EP and watching the silent films and it just kind of, it synced up in a kind of a frightening way that the, the music was really like kind of, I guess, a perfect, uh, like, combination with with the films that were we were watching um and then so it just sort of seemed obvious then that we would compile a bunch of these old space films um that were made anywhere from yeah 1910 to 1930 all pre-copyright law era yeah <laughs> yeah pretty much um and then we just made minimal cuts on them but most of the cuts on the video are just naturally as they happen um and yeah i don't know i think it just was sort of a happy accident of taking an idea that someone else had or, already done and it actually working out really well and i think the most interesting part of that was once the footage even just haphazardly was was placed against the music the more we'd watch it over and over again the more we'd find these uh this synchronicity between the music and what was happening on screen, which was, I don't know, a very happy accident. And I don't, I'm not necessarily the most uh, biggest believer in astrology or fate or serendipity, but it definitely seemed to line up weirdly just in parts and stuff like that. So we took, that's what sort of spurred on the most recent iteration is that if you can take the idea of the music and place a visual to it, that seems to sync up without any real attempt at doing so, maybe we can do the same thing in reverse. It, yeah, I guess it's a bit like the old um, putting Dark Side of the Moon on and watching Wizard of Oz. Yeah, uh, but backwards. But yeah, but backwards. Like, I think that's, yeah. Listen to Dark Side of the Moon and see what visuals you can make up. That's it. Kind of, yeah, that, that's what's happened there. With, with tomorrow's show, it's tomorrow, isn't it? It is tomorrow, yeah, the tote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, this uh, episode won't be out by then. But um, I want to talk a little That's bit right. about it because um, I think Nick is playing with you guys to make a fire piece for that show. Yes. How, yeah. how, how that come um, about and how is that going to kind of affect the, the, the vibe of the show? Well, this is kind of putting the cat out of the bag, isn't it? That, that Liam. Liam. Liam at some point in, in our future as a band will depart and Nick... Is kind of like he was yeah. an original member, um, and that he was working on his own stuff. So he he yeah stepped out of the band when Liam stepped in. Um, but even members of the band that no longer play with us have come back and played shows with us before. Mm. So we also had um, Matt, yeah Matt, who was also 
another original member. He'd come and played shows with us with Liam as well since he'd left. Um, so, uh, yeah, Nick could sort of come back in to sort of help us out, I guess, for because, yeah, Liam's going traveling and then um, so he's not going to be around again. Um, so he he's going to be like, I guess, leaving the band uh, in a sense, though no one ever really leaves the band. They, yeah, everyone they, always comes back. They always they always get roped back in. So so Nick's stepping back in to sort of fill the void. And I think just the because he's not so used to this new version of the band either. Um, it's sort of just another experiment to have two guitars, um, both trying to improvise stuff and colour it. Yeah, um, it'll, add, it'll add another layer of colour on top of what we've already got going. And I think um, Nick's, limited, Nick's limited involvement recently is kind of another one of those elements of the excitement of the unknown, where we're going to go up on stage and do what we do where we don't have any real rhyme structure or reason apart from four jams that we happen to have at the time. And then we'll just see what comes out with the addition of another person playing with a lot of delay pedals and twinkles as, mm. as we go on. But, um, yeah, it's a, a not, not a planned thing and there's no structure to it, but it, it's a, an exciting thing to do as well, especially at the Toast. It's a great venue to, to play around with. And, and I think it, even for Nick as well, it's sort of a, a, an unknown thing for him as well because it, it's, it's different for him um, – in that like I guess just improvising live as well so it's it's it'll be kind of uncomfortable and scary for him just as much as it is for us we're going to be shitting ourselves because we're not sure how it's going to turn out but at the end of the at the end of the gig I'm pretty sure we'll be pretty happy with it so Oh, that's really good. Um, one last aspect of the music I want to talk about is the, I don't know if it'd be called a, a vocoder or a robot voice or something, um, yeah. but that, where, where does that come from? How did that get involved in your sound? Um, I think, so, because we, we had a microcorg, a Korg microcorg, and when we were doing the vocals for long, the first track. On yeah, the, the first song on the EP, it was sort of just a idea as a layer amongst other vocals, which then ended up sounding so good that we were like, oh, actually, I think that is the vocal take that we were going to use. I think we were, we were going to wash it out and layer lots of vocals. Um, but then I also like how through a vocoder, you can't really tell exactly what the lyrics are, mm. um, uh, yeah. For us, it's it's kind of a way to add. For us, vocals have never been vocals on their own, so this is a way to add another layer um, to what we're doing without having to distinctly call it a vocal track. Um, so, at, I, at, most of the time, for even now, I have no idea what Matthias sings when he sings it when we're playing songs, um, and that's that goes for anything we ever do. It, it never stays the same. It's essentially an extension of the synthesizer um, and samples for us. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. It's not so much a vocal anymore as much as it's part of the uh, creating that wall of sound we're trying to go for. Mm-mm-mm. Um, I want to ask you guys a couple of questions of more personal nature. Uh, when did you guys start playing, like, you know, musical instruments, and, and why did you stick with it? 
Um, I think for me, it's just there's nothing else I can, I can do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, like I, I, yeah, like I. As a cliche to say something like I feel like I was born to play music because it's it's all I think about. I can't think about anything else as much as other things are important in life that you need to think about. I just can't put anything else in front of music and it's just how my brain is it's yeah i i'm exactly the same um and i think that that that's quite telling for me and matthias and in terms of all of this stuff that's progressed over the years matt and i have kind of been this core unit of two people who just go we're looking for people who want to come in and explore the musical realm with us because that's all we want to do we'd love to not work and just do that um and I think it's it's not even a, a want, it's not a need, it's a necessity. Yeah. It's um it's something that we have to do. We have to be creating music, we have to always be moving, and slowing down is probably the most depressing aspect of anything else when it comes to music creation for us. So you can have everything else going on in your life with work or jobs or relationships, um, but they're just there's this unspoken constant drive to just play music and uh, i think that permeates for, for me and matt and for a few others as well and it's kind of why everything we've done i guess ends up being us two with some others yeah thrown in <laughs> so <clears throat> yeah mm-hmm. um in terms of like this sort of broad category of music you play like what was it that got you into that um I don't know. I think just, uh, I guess it's just for both of us, it's probably 20 plus years of playing music and in lots of different styles. Um, Looking for things that excite you. Yeah. And I think as, cause yeah, as I started off as a drummer, Nathan being a drummer as well. um, When I guess when you're younger and when you're the drummer of a band, you sort of just play whatever style of music, people you find to play drums with want to make. And then you, I guess you just sort of find avenues that kind of excite you a bit more. Um, I mean, as like, as me as a drummer, I've played in kind of like hardcore bands, punky bands, and then like indie pop bands. Yeah. We've both done the cliches there, the pop rock, the post punk, the prog bands. We've, we've kind of done it all. And I guess this is the, as as two drummers sitting in a room trying to write songs now, it's kind of trying to find the things that scare the shit out of us um, to, to try and progress yourself further as a musician um, now. And, yeah, I don't know. That's that, that's what this music – this music to me and I, suppose, I assume to Matthias as well speaks to that part of you that goes – I'm terrified because I have no idea what I'm doing. And it's very easy to look, to sort of rest on your laurels and stick with what you know. But I guess there's that drive just coincidentally for the both of us to try and find those spaces where we are completely uncomfortable and uh, try and rock it out still. Mm-hmm. And one last question. Um, what have you been uh, watching, listening to, reading um, recently? Um. I think for for me, the last year or so, which I guess is kind of why the bands ended up the way we are now, is I've just been really stuck in that Krautrock 70s, uh, I guess, you know, like bands like Noi or Can. Um, 
I've just been really into that sort of stuff. Um, Noise experimentation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then other other bands nowadays that are like Foikazoid, the a band from Chile that kind of make trance music, but with uh, just like bass, drums, and guitar. Um, so I think yeah, like the band the Cosmic Dead that I mentioned before, just other bands that are sort of doing yeah do it doing the same sort of thing where they're kind of just trying to make create a vibe and um i guess write it out there's also an element behind it i don't know if i'm speaking just for myself but of uh like listening to bands and and watching things and um reading things that push the envelope of something that might you know at, at face value be a band but when you hear it at the end of the day, it might it doesn't sound like a band. I don't know if that makes sense, um, but it sounds like a, a culmination of all these different things thrown together. But the exciting part about it is is seeing a group of people do something and pull sounds and and structures out that you you wouldn't expect to ever hear. And that's what's exciting about the modern age with technology is that we're able to take these age old crafts of guitar and drums and bass and, and keyboards and turn them into something that sounds like, you know, nothing you necessarily have heard before. So it's that always a pursuit of pushing the envelope. Yeah. I've also been watching a lot of grand designs, so <laughs> I'm, I'm not sure if that, uh, translates or like gives me inspiration but i'm listening to a lot of soundtracks from horror movies so i guess maybe that's got something to do with it
That was Bug in the Mainframe by Liege from their live show with Bear the Mammoth. Uh, before that, we also had Liege's song Monitor, an as yet unreleased song, uh, also recorded at their live show with Bear the Mammoth. Um, thank you for Nathan Mathias for talking to me. Really appreciate it. Um, and I really appreciate them sharing those live versions with me so I can include in this podcast. Um, you know, it's something which is unreleased. Um, I, I don't think they have any plans to release it, so I, I really appreciate them giving me the chance to share it with you. Um, and I definitely look forward to chatting them later whenever they release some material which is kind of more reflective than the band they are now. That's going to be a really, really exciting chat. Thanks for listening to the show. If you've got any questions, comments, anything like that, you can send me an email, australianhunger at gmail.com. You can contact me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, any of that jazz at australianhunger or Hunger for Twitter in specific because of their character limit. But yeah, I'll hopefully see you later in the week. Bye.